Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. we got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons. Official show of UTHDynasty.com. You like this show, you want to check out the premium shows you can get as a general manager plus subscriber. Get a free look at the UTH Trade Calculator as well. You're going to get things like Final Thoughts. That's Friday night, Saturday, every single week. Looking at uh, the final practice reports, some final waiver moves to possibly make to optimize your bench. And then things like film notes. First thing Monday morning, you're going to have a breakdown 60 minutes, 90 minutes on every single game in depth for what I saw on film. Does it align with the box score? And uh, some missed opportunities, maybe some lucky breaks, and uh, uh, basically distilling it down to what you need to know dynasty-wise to kick off your week. Just as a few highlights there for a lot of the premium content you're going to get. This week, two weeks in, Katie and I, we're going to discuss... Uh, each of us are going to give a couple of examples of players and situations we're either believing what we've seen or not believing what we've seen through a couple weeks. It's still very, very early. I see some hot takes, ice cold takes, and uh, everything in between on on Twitter where people are making a lot of, of grandeur. This is going to just multiply everything by eight. And here we are for the whole season for what we've seen in the early part here. So, so Katie, it's early. That means it's risky to really you know, believe everything you've seen in terms of just a couple matchups. And it could just be the perfect storm of one big game. Uh, but uh, what is one thing right now that, that you have a, I'm either believing or not believing what I've seen so far? My first, I don't believe what I'm seeing so far is Brandon Ayoub, San Francisco. And part of that is because of Trey Lance. And now Trey Lance is gone. I think that he has very good chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo. And even though they use Debo Samuel in that running back wide receiver slash mode, I think there's plenty of balls to be spread around with that offense. I think that Ayuk has been a slow start, but could be picking up some steam and on into the rest of the season. I think he's legit. And I think that now that you've got Garoppolo throwing him the ball, I think he's even more legit. Yeah, I, I was really encouraged. It seemed like there was now finally a timing and rhythm to the offense in week two for the 49ers. And uh, Trey Lance just has not played a bunch. I heard a, a stat that I, I almost did a double check because I was like, are we serious with this? So dating all the way back. So college, he didn't play a lot. And then obviously in the NFL, he has not played a lot. He has less than 500 dropbacks. I mean, some college quarterbacks basically get to that mark in one year starting. And we're still in, like, since 18 years old, Trey Lance does not have that yet. So it's just, he is a baby. He's uh, so green. He's a greenie, you know, if you talk about a uh, greenhorn, if you talk about, uh, I think it's crabbing and things like that. And, and yeah, with Garoppolo in there, even for the chunk of the game that we saw in week two, timing, rhythm, 
and running the offense. I mean, you can you can bang on him and say that you you wish it was oh like there's more upside here. He does it a different way. He runs around all this, but he runs the offense. He distributes to the weapons. And the the biggest encouraging thing I saw in week two for uh, Brandon Ayuk was that he was dominating. He was the wide receiver one, and Debo Samuel was the. Uh, you know, offensive weapon that I think his air yards were like right around the line of scrimmage. Like he was basically, I think it was Cordero Patterson like a year ago where everything was short. Everything was um, just uh, created. It was, he wasn't playing wide receiver anymore. Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver. He had 32% targets last week, 45% air yard percent. I think he can be elite. I think Brandon Ayuk, what we saw a couple of years ago, I think he could be on that trajectory where, where I think he was a top 18 guy with Garoppolo. And we can finally see this offense open up a little bit and not just be, you know, we're all just kind of tight. What are we going to see from Trey Lance? And we had the bad, bad weather game. And then we had just a little bit and he's out. So I, I, I really do think Garoppolo is going to make a world of difference. And, and Ayuk, like you said, is probably going to be the biggest benefactor there. Yeah, and I think that people that own him in Dynasty just should be patient. Don't try to panic sell him. It may still take him a little bit to get there, but I think he's going to get there. Yeah, and I I think you can also shift expectations. Just because someone is underperforming, that might mean maybe you thought, hey, he's going to be my wide receiver two or three. Well, the first couple of weeks, maybe he's your wide receiver four or flex or someone that didn't even make your lineup. And now I think you're going to get to see something different. I think you'll feel more comfortable putting him in lineups as you go. And it's a team game that not everybody's an auto start on your team. It'd be great if you just had four auto start receivers and it's there's your four and 12 of the 16 weeks or whatever. That's who you're playing. But that's not how it works. Um, Yeah. So I I think you're just going to feel more and more comfortable as you go there. Um, I did have one trade I found that I thought was interesting. Aaron Jones, of course, he's white hot as well um, after this last game, putting up 30 plus points. Aaron Jones this past week for Brandon Ayuk and a 24 first. And that's uh, super flex. Yeah. I mean, I like the Brandon Ayuk and uh, 24 first side. Any first added on top of a talented player like Ayuk. I like Aaron Jones, and I think that he he and A.J. Dillon should feast. They're, they're going to – Green Bay is going to circle the wagons around the running game. They don't have a whole lot of wide receivers. Aaron Jones will actually be wide receiver one, I believe, for uh, Green Bay Packers. And so I think – I think it's a it's a good trade. You get a young wide receiver in his prime with a good quarterback, decent quarterback, at least somebody that can unlock him. And then you get that 24 first. That 24 first is already starting to look pretty good based on my Debbie projections. So I like it. Yeah, and I think a lot of times at 27 years old, and I think Jones is actually going to turn 28 by the end of the season, it's tough to get a first for that. You know, right. he's performing well, and that's the only reason you can get a first plus here. And I know it might be, you know, you might be dropping down five, six, seven points per game from Jones to Ayuk this year. We'll see. Ayuk's probably going to come up a little bit and have more appeal as we go. But, you know, getting locking that in, you know, is going to look really good because the, the first is so insulated that you have a lot of flexibility to trade it and just, or just keep it simmering, you know, as you go until it uh, reaches its uh, full mature maturation uh, point there in a couple of years. 
Uh, my first player, my first situation is going to be two attack of Iloa. Um, it was such an aberrational game watching Miami and Baltimore this past week. Uh, Baltimore had a number of breakdowns. Kyle Hamilton was at the crux point of a couple of them, but there were just, you had Tyreek Hill and you had uh, Jalen Waddle, great players, but running rough shot in an outlier scenario, six touchdowns, uh, numerous, you know, numerous breakdowns on the back end for Baltimore, 50 attempts, six touchdowns, and Tua wasn't good in week one. So basically, he's up in the top six right now because of that one game. And this is a small sample size issue. He has one rushing yard through two games. He doesn't want to run. He's going to have to do it. It's almost like Jimmy Garoppolo. He has to be elite to be someone that is high up. He has to be Tom Brady. He has to be Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to provide a lot on the ground. And that means you have to sharpshoot. So I like those two weapons. I do think there's big upside there from a market share perspective for the two wide receivers, but I have concerns. I mean, he's currently ahead of Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. These are guys that run and they have passing upside in the top 10. I think all three of those guys within two or three weeks could pass Tua. I think Tua, even with this great start, we could look back at season end and he's like QB 14. You know, And I, I think you have to be very careful about Two is here. He's arrived, and 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 that he's now one of the you know must-haves and cornerstone quarterbacks because we haven't seen it yet. And now to whiplash and do it off of a two-game sample, I think it's very risky when he's not a runner and he needs to be elite as a passer. And right now, he's really uh, the backbone of where he ranks is off of one game. That I think there's a lot of outlier stuff to it. And I'm going to disagree with you, Chad. And part of that is because if you look at what he did at Alabama, I know that he has had a rough start to his pro career, but that happens, especially with rookie and young quarterbacks. It takes a bit to get acclimated to the pro level. But 87 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. He is a passer of the football. He had air yards. His air yards were 10.9 and his adjusted air yards, 12.7, 7,442 yards in college. His completion percentage, 69%. He wasn't a runner in college. He had a little bit of yards, but he averaged 3.2 yards per carry and only 340 total yards on the ground. So he's never been a rushing quarterback. If people think he's a rushing quarterback, they're completely false. If you look at his first couple years, his TDs to INTs have been very, very sad. But this year alone, he's got 739 yards, seven touchdowns, and only two interceptions. He's got the weapons. He's finally got some weapons with Waddle and Hill, and he's got a, a fairly decent running game. But I don't think that his emergence is going to be – I don't think you should trade for him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you bought him low in the offseason, good on you. Next week, he faces Buffalo. Big, huge matchup. But then he's got a fairly soft, cushiony season for the rest of the year. You know, he's got Cincinnati, then the Jets, then Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, then a bye, Houston – he does have a few games that get tough right before the fantasy playoffs and Buffalo in the first week of the fantasy playoffs. But then he's got Green Bay and New England for the final two weeks. So I think that this kid could do it. And 
just a little bit of confidence goes a long way. He's got it in him. I think we're going to see more of that. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at the the list here of uh, quarter just active quarterbacks right now in Dynasty that have a top five finish to their to their name, and it is almost invariably with they are all rushing guys. Like when you when you talk about them at their peak powers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Deshaun Watson, uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. And then Aaron Rodgers was, you know, back when he was doing that. Um, and then Carson Wentz, the only guys that I would categorize as non-runners uh, are Matt Stafford and uh, Kirk Cousins. Those are the only two that I have on here that are non-rushers. So again, I'm just, I, I just don't think it's a commonplace sort of thing. It's not commonplace. And I agree with that. However, in the two years that he was the lead starter for Alabama, his adjusted yards per attempt were 12.7. That is insane. Yeah. People say he doesn't have a deep ball. Now he's got deep threats. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Jalen Waddle. What more do you want? I mean, seriously, the guy has everything in front of him. Yes, they were trying to replace him in the offseason. Talks about Tom Brady, but he's here. He's now. How, high, I, how high is too high in Dynasty? Like he well, was... He was QB uh, like 16 or so when the preseason or when the, the offseason ended. Do you think, I think, do you think can, people have I think top he can right? finish top eight. I think he can finish in the top eight. Okay. And do you think that should be roughly where his dynasty valuation is? Or do you think it should be higher because he's younger or what? Well, again, I, I don't necessarily yeah. think that young quarterback, again, just to be young doesn't necessarily Shouldn't mean be a big anything. Benefit, yeah. But he is more of a passing quarterback than most people give him credit for. He's not a running quarterback. And at his size, he's six foot two seventeen. That's a decent size. He's fairly thick. And because he protects himself, he doesn't run a lot, but he is mobile enough. And I, I just think that people overlook him. Again, I wouldn't go out and trade for him while he's hot, hot, hot right now. But if you traded for him in the offseason, if you've got him on your dynasty roster, I'm saying don't panic. This kid... I think just give him a shot. I think he's legit. Okay. Would you rather have him than Joe Burrow? Yes. Okay. Because I know you're not the biggest Joe Burrow fan. So. I, yeah, I well, think you, that Joe right is now you can put you might, you might still get two a plus or two a plus plus for Burrow. I bet. I think right. I I think that you possibly could. All right, Kitty. Uh, who's your second uh, player team situation here? I think that Christian Kirk is the real deal. I think that what we've seen so far in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence is the cheat code. Uh, he was buried a little bit in Arizona, and now he's opportunity to be wide receiver one, and he's been putting up wide receiver one numbers for his team. I think he's a primary target, and I think it's legit. I think he's going to last. Yeah, um, I, I also like the ancillary weapons because they can keep Kirk clean a little bit, you know. And I, I just like what Jacksonville's cooking. You know, I, I think Kirk is going to be the lead guy there, and they are optimizing him. They said, like a lot of people said, why are they paying him for, to be a slot guy? Well, they brought him in, and he's a slot guy, and he's eating because that's you know that's where he's most comfortable. You got Zay Jones on the outside, you got Marvin Jones on the outside. They're using Evan Ingram all over the place, and the biggest thing that you you said is Trevor Lawrence taking a step forward, and that was going to be the linchpin to this entire thing. 
So yeah, I mean, Christian Kirk, I think he's in the top 24 right now. And I have a hard time thinking he doesn't finish there because he's going to get enough targets, enough work. And, you know, he's been, he's been paid like he should be doing this. And he started out by doing this. And I don't think people should be discrediting that because, uh, I mean, again, it should be par for the course. Guy in his prime, he's having his best season because he's put, been put in a situation to have his best season. And he was highly productive in college. It was no surprise, uh, you know, that he made it in the top three rounds of the NFL draft. And again, I think he was more buried in Arizona. Now he's free. And if you haven't got him in your starting lineup yet because you didn't trust it, I say trust it. This guy's going to continue to put up these kind of numbers. Um, maybe you don't start him against, you know, if if they play a really strong defense, but I have no qualms about starting Christian Kirk. Yeah, weekly starter. His start rate's been on the rise too. There's a lot of uh, I, coming into week one, his start rate was low, and then week two it popped up, and I, I think it's going to be on the higher side now as we go forward. Uh, tough to keep him out. I mean, you might have a, a hyper strong depth chart to keep him out, but probably not. They've um, got a cushy fantasy uh, fantasy playoff schedule. They play Dallas, the Jets, and Houston during the fantasy playoffs too. So uh, he's a potential sneaky trade for depending on the price, depending on the league and how much those owners discount just the fact that he's not a big name. You might be able to get him uh, for him plus something for somebody that you don't think is going to last. Yeah, the the cleanest trade. He's been involved in a lot of big trades, you know, like three for three, four for four type stuff. Uh, the the smallest one I found for him over the past week is uh, Darnell Mooney, Pat Fryermuth, and a couple of seconds for Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. That kind of sounds about right. I mean, that because I don't know how much Mooney still holds. Like he's he's a, a complete mystery because he's been invisible there for Chicago, and a lot of people projected him to have big targets. Fryermuth, if it's not you know too tight end or or big premiums there, a couple seconds. I don't value Rondell Moore all that highly. We'll see what he provides. Um, so uh, again, that sounds like full value there, a couple seconds involved. Yeah, no, I I don't necessarily like that trade because there's too many what ifs and ancillary pieces. Seems like Mooney, Fryermuth, and maybe you wipe out the picks or a third or something like that instead. It would see it, that feels about right. I, I'll be very interested to see. I mean, the Bears hardly throw the ball, so I, I don't yeah, even know exactly. what market share I mean, will do with Darnell Mooney. Like passes through two games. It's, or it's, it's am, like yeah, that. it's amazing Crazy. how he. It, I mean, it goes to like a complete wasteland, like just immediately. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but yeah, uh, Christian Kirk, and I mean, if you've had him and he's been an ancillary guy, and it's always been where's the ceiling? Well, we're seeing a bigger ceiling this year, which is a, exactly. a huge, huge positive. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with an offense here uh, for my second one, and that's going to be not believing Tampa's this bad on offense. Um, it's been tough to watch because part of it is they've been gutted. Uh, you look around at, at what they have and what they don't have. Um, I, I think the first thing I want to do is start with the schedule. That I think when we look back, and a lot of times it's easy to look at strength of schedule and opponents and matchups. And once we get four, six, eight weeks into the season, we get better at this because we have a bigger sample size, a bigger pool of who have they played and they haven't just played one or two teams. But when you look at how they started the year, Dallas. They can get after they can get after quarterbacks. They can create big plays. They're a problem on defense. You look at New Orleans. They're one of the best in the NFL. This coming week, Green Bay. 
it doesn't get a whole lot easier. I, I think in retrospect, this might be three of the top five, six, seven defenses in the NFL. And fantasy wise, you just don't, you'd rather not play those teams when we get halfway through the season. So that was their start. And then you say, well, they've had Mike Evans miss most of a game. They had Chris Godwin barely played in week one, not in week two. Julio Jones missed week two. Cameron Braid has been invisible. And and you look at, I mean, week three with Mike Evans suspended, here's they're, they're going to be starting and leaning on like some some uh, some mix of Scott Miller, Russell Gage, Brashad Perriman, and Cole Beasley. I mean, th- this is not what they intended. You got Tom Brady, QB 29, just a couple touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, who has four receptions, zero touchdowns. I think everyone would have taken the over on those two things through two weeks. Mike Evans missed time. Like it just it the whole thing stinks and reeks. And I basically want to give them a pause button incomplete grade until we finally start getting some of these pieces back. You need at least two of Julio, Evans, and Godwin in the lineup. And when is that going to be? Week five, week seven? Like we need to get them healthy. And then I think they could be a second half of the year or whenever that starts. I think that's when they could end up being a team that hopefully you've stuck in it. You know, if you have two or three of these guys, hopefully you're just close enough to the to the race that once they are right, that now you're churning out wins. And I just think you might be an 0-2 team right now or a one and one team, and it hasn't been overly pretty. You got lucky with one matchup because you're leaning on a couple of these guys, but it's going to get better. I can't believe in high leverage score how low Tampa is with running backs because historically Brady offenses, this this version of Tampa Bay is usually very high. So again, I'm I'm bullish on Leonard Fournette. I'm bullish on Mike Evans. Uh, I'm bullish on Chris Godwin when he gets back. And let's just accelerate the clock to November already. So again, I think the whole perfect storm against them is happening. And if anyone is doing the Tom Brady's done and oh Mike Evans is old and you know Leonard Fournette see this is why you don't bank on 27 like whatever dialogue is out there I would just feed into that and if you have them please stick with them and do not sell low and this is a team that I think when they get cooking they are going to be electric just like they have been and almost impossible to stop as in previous years and I have to agree with you there. I think that they've got a couple of get right games. You know, they've got Green Bay this weekend and then Kansas City, but then they've got Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Carolina. It gets a little bit soft there. By then you got Mike Evans back. Maybe you've got Chris Godwin back. Things start to flow. You got Baltimore. They've had their struggles. Then you've got the Rams and the Rams by mid season should be tuning up. Uh, but so too should be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You've got Seattle, Cleveland, New Orleans, and then going into the fantasy playoffs, you got Cincinnati, Arizona, and Carolina. So I agree with you that better times are coming. I still don't think they've stunk. I think that Leonard Fournette has done enough to put up okay numbers. I mean, if you look at him compared to Najee Harris and the expectations, he's put up at least those same points and Mike Evans has been doing a decent job up until he got freaking thrown out of the the game but now you know that he's not starting this weekend you just don't start him but he's had clarified starts and he's done decent he hasn't done fantastic lights out same thing with Tom Brady Tom Brady has been an average quarterback but for the most part as long as you don't put up single digit or 
you know, you even had Aaron Rodgers put up almost negative points for fantasy. So a guy like Tom Brady with 8, 10, 12 fantasy points, it hasn't been as bad as it could be. And I think that, like you said, better times are coming. I have a couple honorable mentions. Do you have any that uh, didn't quite make your cut? Uh, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'm not sure that I'd buy him uh, for what he's doing for Kansas City. I think he's a sell high right now while you got a chance. And there's others, but he would be the first one off the top of my head. I had one that was, uh, again, I, I like the player. I just don't think... I think he's gotten uh, pretty fortunate so far. And that's, I'm not believing Jahan Dotson's a top 20 receiver. He's got three touchdowns on seven catches. It's a spread it around passing game in Washington with McLaurin. They've got a healthy Curtis Samuel. If they don't get at least one of those guys out of the mix, uh, Logan Thomas is getting healthy. They're using Antonio Gibson, thank goodness, in the passing game. Uh, I mean, they, they have a lot of mouths to feed. They're producing well, but I just think with Jahan Dotson, he's going to be in the mix. And I just think that offense is going to be tough to have like one glaring guy way up on the fantasy board because it's not going to funnel like that. So he, he's got he's got unfortunate in terms of the, the touchdowns he's been able to score so far on low volume. Um, but that's one that I think, again, good positive signs as a rookie. And, and I like the trajectory he's on. But uh, I just don't think the, that the peak is going to be as prominent as it's been through a couple weeks there. Yeah, the, uh, the thing with a guy like I've liked Jahan Dotson. I was so sad he wasn't at the Senior Bowl. You remember uh, how sad I was. And he's a very talented guy. But wide receivers are a dime a dozen. Yes, he does have good chemistry so far with Carson Wentz. And I like that hookup. But... I think that he's going to come back down to earth. And as you said, limited targets, limited opportunities, and there's a lot of other mouths to feed. He is, it's very risky if you try to buy high on a guy like him. I'd rather buy high on a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who's now at least done it for a year plus and looks like he is the real deal, more so than a guy like Dotson two games in. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I, I put as an honorable mention is I, I, I wish, because I don't know how many more games we're going to get of this. I wish the Joe Flacco led Jets offense didn't have to end because yeah. he's really got something going. And, yeah. and he's pretty, he's, he's one of the top quarterbacks. He's actually QB three right now in the touchdown interception rate ratio that I track. Uh, he's behind Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff. He's avoided turnovers. He has over 600 yards, five touchdowns. And he is facilitating a massive career start through a couple games here for Garrett Wilson. We've seen big plays out of Corey Davis. Elijah Moore has been left behind a little bit, but Tyler Conklin has had good production. He's thrown to the running backs. I just think they have a good thing going. And the moment Zach Wilson's healthy, I'm sure he's going to be back in the lineup. But I, I think Flacco is running this offense well. He's been uh, uh, fortunate in terms of he he if you have been dying on the vine and you picked up Joe Flacco for Superflex he's been everything you could have possibly hoped for through a couple weeks and hopefully you get more coming um, you know that it was you're gonna get at least four starts you know was the early report there and so I I think the Jets and we'll see if Joe Flacco you know turns in a clunker at some point but I am I've really been encouraged and they are a fun offense to watch. Yeah. 
All right, Katie, uh, we're going to do a little uh, UTH best ball update here, but do you have any uh, final thoughts here um, as we go through the week of heading towards week three? And I'll tell you, I mean, you probably, it's small sample size, but some surprise 2-0 teams, some clunky 0-2 teams were like, oh, you know, thought that was better. But again, it's such a small sample size. We really have to give our dynasty seasons more time. Oh, absolutely. Um, my my advice is just don't panic. If you're 0-2, 2-0, 1-1, anywhere in between. And sometimes you play double headers and, or best ball with total points. Again, it's it's early in the season. Make incremental trades to improve your roster. Don't trade just to trade. Have a purpose. If you have a weakness, shore it up. Uh, look for those teams. There are teams already through league chat. They they're already saying I've given up for the year. It's two games in. Anything can happen. The Cincinnati Bengals are zero and two. Do you think they're going to give up? Do you think they're just going to throw in the towel and say, ah, well, we'll look for 2023. Let's start selling off Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and all these other guys and let's rebuild. I don't think so. So it's the same thing with Dynasty. It's a long haul game. Uh, you don't want to ruin your team just because of two games one way or the other. I've had some tough luck losses. I've had some you know, some wins that I didn't expect to pull out of my butt, but there they are and, and everything in between. And so you've just got to be patient. Like we say in the off season, patience is a virtue when it comes to dynasty, just enjoy the ride, try to make incremental moves, nothing major, just look at what you have to try to improve and see what you can do. Yeah. And I think, um, Adam Harstead has done a lot of good research over football guys that uh, go with your priors, you know, like stick with uh, more, you know, heavily weighted towards where were we in August and what were we thinking in August through four weeks. And we're halfway through that, you know. So if you're 0 and 2, you could easily reel off a couple wins and be 2 and 2, and th- life looks a lot different, you know, by that point in time. And keep assessing, you know, and the, the weighting of this season keeps getting higher, you know, in terms of what we're seeing right now. But it doesn't mean you you completely rid yourself of everything before. And and so that's going to be the key part where, you know, if it's been ugly, you know, your all play records like 15% or something, and you're 0 and 2, and you go, uh, it just hasn't worked out. Well, it's two weeks. So you could easily turn that around uh, relatively quickly. Now, if you're 0 and 4, that's a little different of a story, and you need to kind of dig in. Um, you know, the, the longer you'd go down that rabbit hole, but like you said, there's there's league mates that will uh, turn the turn the page and 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 basically give up on this season earlier than than four games, which I think is a little preemptive. You do want to be out there early per se, but also you don't want to run yourself out of a season where you're not actually out of it yet. For the UTH Best Ball Contest. And pretty interesting roster here to take down the title in week two. We have Adam Trent. Congratulations, Adam. He had a big week from Tua Tagovailoa. We mentioned him earlier in the show. He's benefited from Jeff Wilson, now the lead back over there with the 49ers. Carson Wentz, another big performance between Tua and Wentz. Those are two big um, overachievers and values based on where they were in terms of the salary cap build that you could have had. Garrett Wilson has provided early value. He's got Mark Andrews. He's spent up at tight end. He's got Mark Andrews, uh, as well as George Kittle, Cole Komet. Hasn't gotten much out of K- Kittle and Komet, I think, have the same number of catches and Kittle hasn't played. 
<laughs> so uh, something like that. So uh, he went with the big uh, running back by committee, a lot of backups there. So he, he's still waiting on there. I would say, here's the other thing about UTH builds is that if you've got a bunch of run, backup running backs, we really haven't had the, the churn in the running back injury so far through two weeks. It's very early. Just It's usually about uh, one to, to one and a half depth charts every single week. There's a new injury and a new starter that's not, you know, not going to play the following week. So we're, we're below that. We have, well, we're right on that. We have uh, three from August that have missed at least one game, three, uh, three starters or projected starters. So uh, again, there's more to come, a lot more depth charts that are going to be missing games. So you just got to be patient for that and let that, that through, um, fruition, you know, just keep churning through every and, and cutting out their starters. And now you have new ones. Uh, anyway, that was a little diatribe there, but, but good on Adam Trent, uh, taking it down. We've got, uh, Katie and Tim right now, both in the top 12. Um, I am 15 or so and, uh, scrolling Jordan's, uh, middle of the pack ish, but, uh, but yeah, Adam Trent is now third overall. You got Jamie up at the top and Christopher in second. So of course, a long, long time to go, but you lock in one of those weekly, uh, weekly wins and uh, feels really good, Adam. So enjoy it. Congratulations. And uh, thanks to everybody, as always, for participating in the contest this year. It's run by my fantasy league where I like to play my leagues. And uh, they are always, always uh, very, uh, very, very nice to, to supply a uh, complimentary hosting for the UTH contest on an annual basis. So between episodes, Katie Flower, you can find her. You want to talk Debbie. You want to talk about uh, college. You want to talk about her Razorbacks or anything in between with your dynasty teams. You can find her at FF underscore Skyler 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder about all the UTH premium content, the trade calculator rankings, all that is updated on Monday for the week. Made some big changes over the first couple of weeks. Some players solidifying their production profiles, others not so much. And it doesn't even look like it's going to get better. So you want to be up on those changes. There's a new look over the last few months to the UTH rankings as well. A lot more descriptive columns and information beyond just one through a hundred uh, running back per se. All right. So Katie Flower, myself, Chad Parsons, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties. Oh, 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 oh,